Hi, I'm Martin, and welcome to Upgrade Your Day, the podcast. But when you've got somebody who is a really good puppeteer, yeah, the the character will be not just alive; you'll see it breathing, yeah, and yeah. living in the. And I, I sort of pride myself. I think I'm an actor that became a puppeteer. I'm not a puppet maker. This character's got to live in the moment, breathe. He's got his story, where he's come from, yeah. And and I like to pride myself that when when I put my character on that they go, oh my goodness me, I become invisible yeah. and the character just becomes alive in a way that people go, oh my, it's magic. Absolutely. It makes magic. Yeah, absolutely. So I am still at the Edinburgh Fringe. We have a couple days left. That is it. We've done a whole month here and we have had the most amazing time, myself and Mike here with the Basil Brush Show for kids and then Unleash and Uncut for adults. We've had a great time, but a month somewhere, (laughs) there's a point when you really, really miss home. So we've had a great time, but I think it's time for us to get back to a little bit of normality soon. But I decided that it would be lovely to chat to my partner in crime, Mike, all about puppetry and uh, musical theatre and just ways that Mike upgrades his day with um, keeping fit and keeping his mind healthy. So we have a good old chat about a little bit of everything and how puppetry is an art form and it's a great way also to teach kids about life and about mindfulness as well which I've I've seen a lot of at this moment in time so here is the lovely Mike so I am here with the lovely Mike Um, In the intro, I'm going to explain how long we've worked together, how long I've known you for. But we should probably start by saying we're in our little flat that's been rented by our production company here in Edinburgh, doing the Edinburgh Fringe with our Basil Brush show. Mike, tell me, first of all, how has the Fringe been for you? It's been brilliant, isn't it? It's been a lot of fun. Um, Loved every minute of it. Especially since you do all the cleaning and uh, and all the cooking. And the washing. I do a lot of washing. And the cleaning. And the show, yeah. we've loved it, haven't we? We've had really nice audiences. I think what's nice doing it in Edinburgh is you get a different audience every night. And it's like running for 30 days. So you can really iron out any problems you've got in the show. And if a gag doesn't work one night, you don't panic. Because you go, well, yeah, but it worked the other night. So it's the audience's fault. It's not our fault, necessarily. So I think it's a really good ground to sort of like find out what material's working and what isn't working and maybe change it for, you know, later in the year. Yeah. But so at least you get a really good run at it. Whereas if you just do, you set a show up and you just do a couple of nights, you don't really know whether it's yeah. going to be working or not. But we pretty well know what we've got is pretty good. Ready for our international tour. Of Butlins. <laughs> yes, we'll be going to Butlins. It is international. Um, it is international. I've the country. We go all across the country. Do you know what? I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm totally with you. Um, and also being in Edinburgh, how have you found... So we do a lot of walking. We joined a gym. A gym. I've had a whiskey. Uh, we joined a gym so that we can just kind of like escape the fringe for a little bit. I think you have to escape the fringe. Mm. Uh, it's a little melting pot. Um, and certainly as I've got older I sort of don't want to be around all the crowds and all the noise mm. I like doing the show and then I quite like disappearing afterwards and getting out Yeah. maybe go and see something but I'm quite okay with not having to be there yeah. all day and all night and how people come and do six shows mm-hmm. in one go I don't think I could do that and also you get a bit fed up of queuing for yeah. food 
You do. And we done a kids show at lunchtime and then we do a grown up show in the evening. So a lot of people don't do two shows. They do guest spots on stuff, don't they? But a lot of the time they have their days themselves, whereas we've been constantly at the theatre, really. Well, I think you can't really let yourself go until you've finished your second show. Mm. So you've always got hanging over your head, oh, I've got the show to do. So you can't go too far. You can't do too much. You can't tell yourself too much at the gym. So, I mean, I've just found myself each day is I would go to the golf course in the morning, which wasn't too stressful, mm-hmm. and then perhaps go to the gym in the afternoon in between, yeah. and then ready for the evening show, and then by that time we're shattered and we just come over and have cereal <laughs> and go to bed. We're like an old married couple, we come over, <laughs> a bit of cereal, we'll have a cup of tea. You want a cup of tea? <laughs> I mean, we leave all that to the youngsters, you know, leave all that to the youngsters, because at the end of the day, we've been, well, hang on, how many years have you been in show business? When did you leave drama school? I was 22. And now I'm nearly 60. So it's a long time. It's nearly, I would say it's nearly 40 years. 40 years. But I remember, because we do Windsor every year, the Theatre Royal Windsor, did my very first panto at Windsor when I was 25. Yeah. And, but I do remember doing the two show days and three show days and then going out. Yeah. With the ensemble and I thought nothing of it getting in at one o'clock in the morning and then getting up at 11 and then coming across and doing the shows again. But now, at this age, you do have to pace yourself. I'm looking at you as well. You're 20 years younger than me. (laughs) But one does have to pace yourself. And also, you know, there's nobody else who's going to step into our shoes. There's no understudies here. No. You've got to do the show. Yeah, yeah. And look after yourself so that you... um, yeah, because well, also the audiences, they spent a lot of money. Mm. They save up to come to Panto. They, they have a whole day of maybe a bit of shopping, a bit of dinner. It's a whole day out for them. The last thing they want is to see you mope on and mope off because you're hungover or, or you're tired. Yeah, I you, think when you're young, you can get away with it. But yeah. I don't think you can when you're older. No. So I find if I have a late night vocally, I can't work the next day as well. Yes. And the voice, you know, because I'm a puppeteer voices that I do it's not your normal voice no so it does get bashed so I sort of take pride in looking after myself physically yeah so I go to the gym so that you know this bag of sugar I hold over my head for an hour at a time doesn't (laughs) doesn't kill me so because that's in effect what it is it's holding a bag of sugar in there and waving it around yeah um so I take care of myself and that's I've always been like that yeah because I don't think it's fair to as you say not be 100% if you get ill there's nothing you can do about it yes right get ill but I won't lose my voice unless it's an illness yes no exactly and what we should do is take people back because you are a puppeteer with a a very famous character Um, (laughs) but you've also done other puppeteering with other characters haven't you yeah I mean uh, in the middle of uh, puppeteering that very famous character which everybody knows but we don't talk about because he's real um, he is real, yes. I, I got to do the pajamas with the Hensons uh, in Belfast. I had a whole year in Belfast doing 112 episodes. Oh, that is a lot, actually. Of a preschool. But what was really wonderful was it was all singing, as well as acting, but it was major singing, great harmonies. It was ahead of its day, really, vocally. But that meant that I was able to pull on all my years as a musical theatre performer yeah. and a session singer. As a singer... That for me, that was just the gift. Yeah. To be a funny character that sang was just, you know, fantastic. But these were different puppets. The Henson puppets, you're standing, and they're a lot heavier. So actually, physically, that was a killer to do that for a whole year. And where was that shown? Was it America? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was shown all across America. And all over the world, in fact. It was dubbed into all different languages. And it came over here 
But what they did over here that was very strange is they redubbed all the voices with children's voices. Oh, interesting. And they didn't do all the harmonies, which I, I thought was a great pity because it lost the characterisation that we'd done and what we'd worked so hard. So I thought that was a bit strange. What was it called? The Pajanimals. The Pajanimals. You'll find it on YouTube. Anyway. Right, yeah. You know, but it was, a, it was a lovely show. Every episode was 12 minutes long to help kids deal with issues of growing up, whether it be the first time going to the dentist or the first right. time going to a doctor or losing a dog for the first time. Little yeah. things that they would find and you see how the pajamas coped yeah. with an issue. Mum and Dad going away on holiday for the first time, you being left with the grandparents. Right, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a little issue. No, I thought they were really clever. Yeah. Uh, the, of the things that we did, but it was a lot of fun. I can you know, imagine. But it was seven o'clock in the morning on set and you didn't finish till seven o'clock at night. Oh. But did you get paid well? They looked up. <laughs> yeah. there you go. I'm sure they could have done a lot better, but you know, it, it's a different world now. I, yeah. I'm sure when our voices appeared um, in lots of holiday parks um, mm. with people in suits dancing to us, I think that would have been nice. But you know, they looked after us yeah, very well. Exactly. I can't say they didn't. And then you got to work on Dark Crystal for Netflix. Dark Crystal, but also uh, before Dark Crystal, um, got to do. Um, oh God, I don't think I'm trying to think what it's called. Right. No, that puppet game show. The Hensons came across, and there was a thing called that puppet game show oh. that came across. I was only sort of doing background characters and small. Uh, characters in that but again that was another Henson project right and then Furchester Hotel on CBBC I got to do some major characters in the first series of that and that again was a different type of puppeting we, you know, the one that I normally do I'm lying flat on my back yeah uh, because I'm alongside humans these were all puppets so the set is four foot or five foot off the ground oh, of and you're standing full height oh yeah I forget about that That's so, the first, yeah. so everything's at full stretch arms high up in the air yeah. and you're all working together on a screen um, and then of course came um, Dark Crystal yeah which was wonderful again they tried to get I wasn't one of the main characters in that but they had to gather every single puppeteer they knew in the country to do the battle scenes yes of course so it was a I don't know whether you call it a posse of puppeteers or a gaggle of puppeteers but there were many of us yeah and you didn't just have the puppeteers you had the people doing the radio controlled eyes oh, yeah and all the expressions and that's so you, choreography that is yeah so you have to choreograph that yeah. with that person who's supporting you um, and then you'd have these battle scenes but again these were huge puppets very very heavy yeah. puppets some of them were the originals from the original Dark Crystal as well so that was lovely because again that was a whole but again you're on the set at 7 o'clock in the morning yeah. and you walk off at 7 o'clock at night these are people don't realise when you're filming stuff they mm. are very long filming days yeah and people always think that they can they can do puppetry in the sense of oh yeah you're just doing a bit of this you're doing a bit of that but as we've known over the years of working together it's an art form <laughs> it's the real art form and even the most the obvious mistakes people make where what they when they talk as a puppet they'll close, close their them. hand as if it's speaking but actually you have to open it and that feels very unnatural to open your hand when you're speaking and instantly I mean even I'm doing it now with my hands my muscles and my hands are aching so imagine yeah. what it must be like doing a day on set as well yeah and then you've got to focus what you're looking at when, yeah when you, you'll notice when somebody's not a puppet you'll go oh it doesn't really look alive but when you've got somebody who is a really good puppeteer yeah the, the character will be not just alive you'll see it breathing yeah 
and yeah. living in the, and I, I sort of pride myself I think I'm an actor that became a puppeteer I'm not a puppet maker mm. who often becomes puppeteers or perhaps people who do voices mm-hmm. and become a puppeteer or event yeah. um, I feel as I approach my characters it's, as an actor yeah yeah. So this character's got to live in the moment, breathe. He's got his story, where he's come from. Yeah. And and I like to pride myself that when when I put my character on, that they go, oh my goodness me, I become invisible, yeah. and the character just becomes alive in a way that people go, oh my, it's magic. Absolutely. It makes magic. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. And as we've seen with um, our show, the kids just they buy it. They completely, absolutely buy it because you make. Things come alive. Well, come alive, <laughs> come alive. Don't we'll have to pay the rights for oh, that. Yeah, uh, but I think uh, what's interesting about that is that, you know, you get a puppet on stage and it comes alive. For the kids, they enter the magic because we let them. I yeah. think sometimes we, the kids, are, they grow up too quickly. Mm. You know, I've got a family. Yeah. And I think they get on these computers and they're quite violent and the entertainment's done for them but I think what's great sometimes when we do let them be kids at Pantos mm. they're, they're suddenly kids again Yeah, and they realise yeah. they've got an imagination that works and it comes alive and, and you know we need to keep doing that I yeah. think and let the kids be kids yeah. for a little bit longer than they, they are really they grow up far too quickly and what we should say is you as you mentioned you started off as an actor but you are an old West End Wendy really I'm aren't you I'm an old you? <laughs> through and through what shows were you doing in the West End when you started do you remember like touring West End just... uh, it started with rep right I really I started as a rep actor doing Stephen Sondheim musicals yeah everything I wanted to do was do Stephen Sondheim because I was quite musical I was great on the piano session singer all that so I wanted to be tested musically and that Stephen Sondheim was the best so you know I got to play Jack in Into the Woods and Tobias in Sweeney Todd these were major mm. achievements mm. but what I did find with me vocally is that I was a big singer but I didn't look necessarily how I sang right I could I did a lot of singing on Radio 2 Friday Night's Music Night and I would sing Marius Empty Chairs but I would never get cast as Marius Right, yeah, of course. I don't look yeah. the part, but I could sing it. Yeah. I could sing easily. I could sing Phantom, you know, All I Ask of You. And in fact, I used to sing that a little bit in the music of Andrew Lloyd Webber in concert. But I would never get cast as that. You know, I'm five foot four. Um, I look more like a character. So I had to adapt myself to be more a character actor mm. and do comedy because that's what I looked like. As opposed to <laughs> physically, you know, I think I'm terribly handsome. <laughs> but I'm not six foot strapping... You know, male lead yeah, yet I could it. sing like well the Phantom that. has a look as well doesn't he Phantom has this kind of like debonair kind of James Bondy look yeah. I guess so I'd never you know I'd never play those characters so yeah. I had to be aware of what my limitations were mm. so you know I'd play Puck in Sweeney Todd and then uh, in the West End I got into Children of Eden oh yeah and you know I was kind of the characters yet the good looking male leads you know I was never going to get um, yeah and we did um, uh, Sherlock Holmes and played one of the irregulars, you know, just want the lad, Jack the lad. So that was me, really. And, you know, for me, I was quite disappointed that I could never get to play those lead roles because I could sing them. Right, yeah. But I, but I got to sing them on radio and in sessions. So I did sort of get to do them. And did you do booth singing for Starlight Express? Did I just make that Yeah, part? I used yeah. to do Starlight. Um, yeah. Also Cats and uh, Starlight Express, Cats, Grease. Grease. And Saturday Night Fever. They all had vocal booths. So these were a time when the digital technology wasn't there. Yeah. 
where you'd have multi-layers and the people on stage were doing such choreography they couldn't mic them all or sing you'd have brilliant dancers who couldn't necessarily sing yeah. so they'd have boothers booth singers now cats always had four singers in the booth just to thicken up the harmonies yeah. there were eight in Greece crikey when that was in the West End and that was brilliant yeah. for us because and I was adept in all of those because I could, I could sing tenor line or baritone so there were regulars who did it all the time but then I would go and do my rep theatre or go away and, do, and come back and I'd go on the debt list. Right. So if somebody was sick or they had a better paying singing job, yeah. I would go in. So I used to go in quite often. It was very busy. And now, of course, that's all just recorded. It's just press well, a play button. It was a, it was a real thing when they decided that they wanted to change the Grease vocal booth to a tape. Yeah. And of course, people were invited to be the recorders ah. and you just knew that you're doing yourself out of a job yeah in the end of course and it goes on tour and it's it's all on tape now yeah you know yeah but but the funny thing was when I was in the vocal booth of um, Cats and I did that probably for about 10 years was that my wife current wife was, was in it as White Cat of course at the time didn't yeah. know so I'd probably be sitting alongside her oh my gosh and didn't know because they were all in makeup we used to come into the green room of Cats at the, the old New London Theatre and the boothers would come and arrive at five minutes to go. They were all stretching and we'd sit there and in we'd go to sing Jellicle Ball in a little booth doing oh, a crossword or, or we'd play Scrabble. Yeah. But then we were finished before the end of the first half and we'd go to the pub or the cafe. How funny. So you probably met Nicola. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Many, many times. And have you done any cast recordings for anything? Um, I did Children of Eden. Yeah. Was a cast recording. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Because I only really did those two West End shows. Nicola, right. my wife, she's, she'd been in everything. Oh, she's done them all, hasn't she? She'd been in literally... There's, there's not one she hadn't done. I don't think there is one. <laughs> you know, original cast as well, you know. <laughs> So, she, so down our hallway, it's all Nicholas yeah. stuff, but it's not mine. Whereas I was doing, like, playing Puck in A Midsummer Night's yeah, Dream yeah. In, in the provinces. You know, playing, I was playing leads in provinces and she was in the chorus in the West End. Yeah, right, nice. You know, so I was very happy in the provinces. I, it was good. You know, I quite like getting away and going to a new town. And, but at that time, you see, I know this is what you want to get onto eventually, was I was a runner. Hmm. Oh, so yeah, whatever yeah. town I went to... I took my running with me. Yes. And I would join the local athletic club and do races. And I can remember playing um, in Sweeney Todd, playing Tobias at the Salisbury Playhouse. Hmm. And then every Sunday I would find a race uh, that was on somewhere and race it. And I'd yeah. get to know the local athletic club. They would say, oh, there's a race, such a play. And I'd go and do that. So I was able to take that with me to every town, yeah. explore the town and run, you know, 10 miles. And so again, when you were on tour, you basically, that was your little sort of side hustle, really. It was something to do, something to... That was my consistent thing that I did all the time. So if I was out of work, I would train harder. Yeah. And be running 10 miles a day. Yes. Because I was doing marathons. So I'd do that. And then when I'd go to a show, I'd probably find a show, I'd run into the theatre. Yeah. And people would say, oh, look how fit he is, you know, and even if there was dancing. In the West End, when I was in Children of Eden, I used to run in from my flat in Wilston Green. It was six miles in, do the show, and run six miles out. Crikey. 
But I think it's also important when you're doing in this business that when work comes to an end, that's what a lot of people suffer from, is it all just stops. Whatever it is, the social life, the people, the job. And so I think it's always important to have something else that runs alongside of it that you can keep up. Well, you live for show business. Every, you know, it's like in Panto. Yeah. The whole of life stops. Yeah. For that eight weeks. <laughs> yes, that life does. goes on yeah. hold. Yeah. So for me, what I would do is, if I took my running with me, it was there with me when I went, it's like having a teddy bear. Yeah, it is, it I'd is. go away, but I'd have my shorts, and I'd go, oh, I'm going for a run today. The show's opened, yeah. you know, and I'll go, I'm gonna find a really nice place to run yeah. up a hill. You know, when I did Perth Rep, I'd go up Kinool Hill yeah. every day, up Kinool Hill, super fit, yeah. and then do The Boyfriend at night. You know, so there I'm playing Bobby, doing all this, Never out of breath yeah. because I was so fit. Well, last year or the year before, Debbie McGee used to go walking with Debbie McGee on the long walk. Yeah. Well, you see, that's a sign of age, no, <laughs> I was running before. And now I'm you're wandering. With Debbie McGee in between the shows to get you out the theatre. Yeah. Because it, again, a bit like Edinburgh here, mm. you have to get out. You have to escape, yeah. Because show business is one of these things, the highs are so high. Mm normal life actually feels like a low yeah because you get this adoration get rounds of applause people think you're brilliant and you get that run of adrenaline and the buzz yeah. it's like a drug yeah yeah drug every day you know. to, when we finish pan, when we finish panto um if i'm because i feel a bit down in the dumps because you get the blues don't you for a little mm. bit Bruce will say to me, go on up the stairs then. And then I walk down the stairs as if it's the walk down of Panto. And he'll just clap it. Yeah. yeah and I'll take you. a bow. Then I'll gesture for the princess to walk down. You I see, mean, you live Panto. You, you live Panto. Like literally he's just sat there going, yay, with the dogs. And I'm like, thank you, thank you. He's like, how long do we have to do this for? And I'm like, just a couple of days and I'll be over it. It's fine. But I think what people don't realise is when you're away from home and you're on a tour, like you're in a rep, you're just in a little hotel room or in some digs yeah. on your own. So everybody gives you this big round of applause. They think you're fantastic. Then, then you're on your own Yeah, yeah. for the whole day. Or like us in a travel lodge. I mean, we did a tour two years ago for about three weeks and we we're doing two shows a day back to our travel lodge in the evening. Well, I mean, I had the little camp bed. <laughs> you took you the main it was bed. A camp bed. <laughs> a camp bed, yeah. <laughs> I had this little tiny bed on these little legs, and you're in this big place. Just, oh, I was very kind. I let you have the bigger bed because yeah. you're billing. Yeah, but because because <laughs> you're billing, you deserve the bigger bed. Um, but but again, you know, we have that big old day, and then suddenly there we are, cramped in this little room with a little headphones on, with a little headphones on, catching Watch up it. on the news or whatever it is, you know. I know, but imagine if you haven't got people like you're married to Bruce, I've got Nicola. Mm. If you haven't got that person to keep you grounded, on, you know, it could be quite a lonely. Well, my Bruce definitely keeps me grounded. <laughs> Let's just say oh, that. Just says, you're grounded. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think, um, obviously, what that grade your day is all about with regards to positivity and um, mental health and, and mindfulness. If your job, especially in Panto or whatever, is all consuming, you have to have something else to take your mind. Well, place. I think what's interesting about what we do for a job, you see, mm. we we do for a job what for a lot of people is their hobby. Yeah. So you get a lot of hamdrums. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They love it. Yeah. And that is their release yeah. from their humdrum day to day going into the office, nine to five. Oh, nine to excuse five. me. That, oh, that'll be agent. the agent. It'll be an agent. It's my agent. He's gonna, if so he gets a booking, I've got a booking wife, as well. This is my wife. I'm just doing Oh, we've got Nicola on now. Hello, Nicola. Mm. Oh. <laughs> 
obviously just, not connecting. Just gone, where's she going? Why is it not connecting? Oh, I don't know. We have funny issues in Edinburgh with signal. I think yeah. it's sometimes on a Saturday when it's, <laughs> it's full of people. people. <laughs> there's so many people here. Too many that, people. There's, I mean, I should say there's 3,800 shows here. There's 300 odd venues. There are thousands and thousands of people in Edinburgh. So poor old Nicola yeah. can't even so get through. So anyway, where I was was saying, yes. people do what we do mm. for a hobby. Mm. But we do it for a job. Mm. And it's an all-encompassing job. So actually, you do need to get a release from your job. So what is our release? Well, it's not doing drama. Yeah. For me, it's always been sport. Yeah. So I focus on the sport. And I, I would comp- keep that going all through, even when I'm working, yeah. trying to keep my sport going. Yes. It was running. I, I've now gone into golf and there's a lot of actors that play golf yeah the stage and television golf society that I'm um, treasurer of and going to be captain of next exactly. year but it's all lots of actors and it's amazing how many out of work actors play golf mm. and the stage golf society was created um, over a hundred years ago by Jim trying to keep his actors out of the pub oh nice make right. them more yeah. fit yeah because they used to be in the west end and they do the shows they go and pick the mail up in the morning and then they just go to the pub and turn up, you know, half cut yes. for the shows. So he said he had to find them something to do. So he created this stage golfing society. Oh, wow. And that's why it was created. Wow. To give, you know, do something with your time yeah. when you're away from home. Yeah. yeah. And it was all over the country. You know, people were doing this all over the country. Wow. So for me, that's what I do when, you know, it's, for you it would be like a good walk spoiled having to hit a ball. But for me, it's a reason to do my walking. <laughs> I couldn't just do the walk that you do now, like I used to do my... Yeah. The running was... I trained so I could win a race. And the golf is... I like the competition. It's a real focus. But I'm very good at... I like the walking bit, but also I like the practicing bit of just putting the ball into a hole for hours. Yeah. It's just brain deadening. And it's a way... And like here, I joined Preston Field Golf Club. Yes, Been up there yeah. today for a lesson. Yeah. I haven't played the course much because we haven't had time. But I've gone up there and had food... Been yeah. on putting green, yeah. chatting to the locals, and, and it's a great way to look after your mental health to get yeah, out. I get and out. Do something totally different. Yeah, it's completely different. And then when we enter, we go back into them. And go right here. We go big yeah. breath. Yeah, you know. I mean, a lot of the comedians this year are talking about their mental health as comics. You yes. Know? Yeah. So for me, it's a physical release. Yeah. I can't just sit still and perhaps meditate. That, yeah. that would drive me up the wall. Yeah. I have to physically. Do something. do something yeah and I think it's also important to remember that when we have that little breakaway and we do something else like you said it takes your mind somewhere it breaks away from what your job is mm. and I get a lot of friends say to me oh how can you go home after a show and eat cereal and drink drink tea with Mike when yeah. actually uh, you should be out celebrating I'm like but it's my job that's the difference that's it I'm yeah. doing it as a job and I need to break away from it I can't be out swanning around and I'm not very sociable nowadays I have to admit I don't know what's happened but no, it's age honestly you know, I, you just go, you. I, don't, I don't really want to speak to other comics or performers I just want to go home I just want to break away from it mm. you know yeah, it's well, like most people want to break you know if they're in the office they just want to go home exactly so it is yeah. like being in an office but yeah. it's a treat because I've got to say I've not really done a day's work in my life. I was an accountant. <laughs> you still haven't, Mike. I'm a qualified accountant. <laughs> yeah. But, so I had to get out of the office. I couldn't bear, but I felt trapped mm. in an office. It, and I was doing amateur dramatics on the outside of that. Yeah. But I wanted to do more dramatics and you know, take it further. Yeah. But I couldn't have continued doing amateur dramatics because being in an office would have 
finish me off. Yes. I, I, it was like I was trapped. I need to expend energy. Yeah. So for me, getting a job as an actor and going to drama school and then I've been doing it for 40 years, I haven't really done a day's work in my life. <laughs> But I've worked very hard at what I've done. <laughs> yes, exactly. So for someone like yourself, with everything that you do, obviously um, puppeteering and acting and singing, and then you have your golf and your golf. sport. Um, for somebody that is, say, maybe anxious or wants to try and find a way to upgrade their day, would you recommend getting on a golf course? <laughs> <laughs> now, what I'm recommending... Golf is one of these... You see, golf is a very, very frustrating game. Mm. The trouble with me is I have to do something to my best ability. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't just go on a golf course and hack it round and enjoy it. I have to do my best on that. That's sort of my challenge, really. So I would say go to a driving range and hit the living daylight. If you've never hit a golf ball yeah. before... What's wonderful about golf is that you have to be totally focused on it completely. You can forget about everything around you, otherwise it just doesn't work. You've got to be completely encompassed in trying to hit this little ball with a stick mm-hmm. down the course. If you have any distractions or anything, it won't work. Yeah. So in that respect, I think it's a great thing for somebody. You get exercise, you get a handicap, so you can have a little competition, and it's very social. Yeah. If you're a person that gets very frustrated because things don't come easily, you'll end up snapping the clubs and chucking them in water. That'll be me then. That'll you know, be me. Because chucking myself in water, probably. Because it can be extremely frustrating. But there are other things. You can go to the, the putting ranges that they've got, you know, yeah. dinosaur putting and fun putting, and they're bringing new types of golf out in, with screens and stuff like that, so you can have a swing. So it would be... I mean, the easiest thing is go for a walk, because the walking part is part of golf. I would recommend if you are interested in sport and interested in golf and having a go, once you've done it, you'll never go back. Would you recommend crazy golf? Yes. <laughs> oh, God, it's hilarious. I love it. That's how we started my Nathan. Crazy golf in Cleethorpes. Oh, my God. I think I've been there. Because you can do it all the fact. And they've got foot golf as well, which is a bit of fun as well. They keep trying this. It is technically a very difficult game to play. Mm. Nathan's been playing since he was two. It's effortless for him. Yeah. It's a game, funnily enough, that when people take up when they're older, they all say they wish they'd taken it up when they were younger. Ah. And they all go, God, I wish I'd taken golf up. Because I found with running, I was quite a fast runner. I didn't have many people I could run with. Mm. But with golf, you've all got a handicap. It's very social. I was never a sociable person Mm. with my sport. Mm. But I am with golf. I love nothing more than playing around with four people I've never met before. But I think when you go past um, golf courses, and as we know, when we've done our tours, you've always found a golf course somewhere. You can sniff a golf course out like there's no tomorrow. I've always found, though, when you see golfers, they do look like they are properly escaping whatever it is, whatever their job is, whatever their life is, Mm. that whatever, if they might have their own anxiety and whatever it might be, you can tell that they are taking some time out, they're taking a breath, and this is just their time to they chill. Love it. And also, you know, yeah. I just went and played St Andrews. So you play different courses that look beautiful with a great vista. It's a new place yeah. to go. And you go, what a beautiful hole. And, yeah. you know, you do, you, it becomes all encompassing. Mm. As much as showbiz is, yes. it can take you over because you decide to go, oh, I want to get to be better golfer. Mm. So it does take up quite a lot of time, but it's something you want to focus on. 
it comes back to balance, though, doesn't it? Balance. Balancing everything out. Listen, that's why the Stage Golf Society was invented to keep the, the golfers, at, the actors out the pub. Yeah. So they all got tuition and need to start teaching them golf. But now you get club rooms where after golf, everyone just goes and gets drunk anyway. <laughs> They're doing this up, but actually, no, again, that's going by the wayside. They're all turning into people like me. I just drink tea. Drink tea total. Tea, coffee, and some avocado on top. Yeah, the lime and soda as they get older. But it's got a great social side. Nicola says to me, she said, although my golf club is quite expensive, she said it's far cheaper than, you know, going to therapy or something like that. Mm. I actually find that's my therapy. Yeah. If I've had a really tough day, yeah. she'll say, oh, just go over the golf course and play a few holes. Yeah. And do you know what? But I come back and I feel so much better. Exactly. Whereas I used to go running. I'd have a long day and I'd come back and I'd put my shorts on. That was the cheapest way to do it. I'd just yeah. went and go a bit of running, but now I can't do that. But you're investing in your well-being. Yes. Oh, absolutely. really important. I always have done. Yeah. And if you can afford it, then that is a great thing to invest in. Yeah. And it's important to remember that. And I think a lot of people forget, sometimes you go and buy your £4.70 coffee and think nothing of it, some people. And actually, all those little coffees a week, it can add up to a a golf membership. Yeah, yeah, my golf membership is my mental health. And of course, what has it given us as well? Where, Where do we rehearse? At a golf club. At my golf club. Exactly. And where's the opening sequence of our show? It's at the golf club. Filmed at a golf club. Filmed at golf club. <laughs> and there we all have lunch. And when anybody... You're making me want to do golf now, Mike. And so just, just finishing up then, just going back to puppetry, which we started right. yes, with. Yes, of course, we started with puppetry. I think um, when I've taught mindfulness to kids, sometimes it's quite hard to get them to understand a lot of what you talk about, which is very like the science behind it. And I've always found, and I think it's quite a lot online as well, you can sort of Google it, puppets are a great a great way to educate kids i think it's a great way to kind of connect with them and have a bit of fun as well so even like a sock puppet and a couple of little eyes well i you think know. the interesting thing about a puppet is if you're trying to say something to a kid it, as far as they're concerned it's a grown-up mm. and they don't like that yeah it's like a teacher yeah but when they look at the puppet even though it's attached to your arm somehow they focus on the puppet tone i used to put nathan to bed with the puppet. Now, if I said to him, you've got to go to bed, he didn't want to go to bed. But when yes. I said, the puppet saying, oh, let's have a race to bed. Yeah. He thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. And they'd go, oh, I've closed my eyes. So they do focus on the puppet more than on a human being. And I know many occasions I've gone into hospitals and done things with, with a variety of puppets. Yeah. And you find that kids who have got learning difficulties, in fact... Don't you remember when we were first here in 2019 at the children's show, a mother and their daughter came to every single children's show. Yes. Because she only spoke to puppets. That's right. And she smiled and she said, I've never seen my daughter smile so much. And we met her after the show. Every single show. Yes. We had a chat. And that girl talked as if there was no problem at all. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, away from there, her mother said she doesn't talk. Yeah, that's true. Except to puppets. Yeah. So there is something in, you know, particularly with children with learning difficulties, i found, engage totally with the puppet. We have a number of people who come and visit us in Panto yeah. with learning difficulties, and they come backstage and they meet Basil. Yeah. And they are just Absolutely. totally, yeah. and I think it's a way of breaking down barriers, and they speak to the puppet in a way that I, I suppose they can't communicate with a human yeah especially think, grown-ups 
I think you can definitely up. Can you upgrade your day with puppets? Yes. Yes, you certainly yes. can. It's such a lovely thing to do. And people tend to forget about it as well. They forget about that as an art form. So I think that's why it's wonderful. And our shows, as you obviously know, have been going down very well. The kids show, mm-hmm. the grown up show we do in the evening. We've got a show tonight at 6.30, up an ultimate one. So um, it's been going very well. And I think it doesn't matter what age you are. As we know, we have people in our audience from, from the kids show, they're like two right through to 82 92 whatever it is and people just love it don't yeah, they yeah well, well they they always want to be kids I think even though we're older our brains are still younger in our minds so physically yeah you know approaching 60 yeah. my mind is still saying I'm 25 and and I think it just allows them to be kids again yeah. for a short time you just go oh this is just simply fun yeah joyous we're not trying to be outrageous or make a statement, a political yeah. statement with jokes. Or, you know, there's a lot going on nowadays of what you can and can't say. We have a show that's just joyous. Joyous, unadulterated. That's it. Fun. And there's a market for that. And we make no apology for that's what we are. No. Do you remember a review once said, oh, it's end of peer. And we're like, well, that was, well, <laughs> that, was part, that was part of the idea. No, it didn't really. <laughs> and yet... That's the reviewer. Yes. But when we speak to the audience after, they just say... They love it. The best We thing. love that, yeah. That's just what we... We don't get enough of this. Exactly. There's a market like for Tim everyone. Vine. We went to Tim Vine. Yeah. His type of joke, really, yeah. it's old-fashioned type of play on words. Yes, yeah. You know, when he holds up a sign and he hands it to you and says, oh, that thought. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just brilliant. Yeah. But most comedians nowadays wouldn't, you know... No. They're making political no. statements and... Yeah. There's a market for everyone and we yeah. have to remember that. Um, and I think sometimes there are quite a few viewers, <laughs> reviewers that need to kind of remember that a little yeah, bit I, as well. Well, okay, well, they're trying to make themselves clever and uh, say we're, yeah. we're above all of this. It's like, I, I've said it before about Mrs. Brown's Boys. You know what? Whatever you think about that show, whatever you think, there is a market for that audience. Yeah. And you know what? The Christmas special still gets watched by millions and millions of people. They still tour arenas. It, they taught mm. arenas it might not be your cup of tea it might be old fashioned it might be this it might be that but there is a market for it and you can't leave that market out you know you but, can't do that but also what people say oh don't don't people find your jokes old fashioned and you go you've got to remember kids right yeah growing up they begin to understand language mm. for the first time so when they understand that a, a word might have two meanings mm. and it's that's what makes it funny yeah so of course you throw that back into them. It's a new audience every year. Exactly. So we go back with the same. Yes. You just have to reinvent the show. Same I would say you don't have to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. we've got a new audience coming through every year yeah. who suddenly understand language or a funny poem. So we throw it at them and they yeah. love it. Yeah. So there's no, no point in changing it because yeah. th- that's what they understand. Well, if people are coming and people are investing and spending their money yeah. on tickets and they're doing it, then why yeah. not? The moment nobody shows up and we're performing then to we, ourselves, then that's then we different. Know. But you know what? We're having a cracking time. We are loving it. Upgrade your day with puppetry. That's what I say. And come and see a Basil Brush show because I hear Basil is very talented. He's a very talented <laughs> person. Uh, Animal. <laughs> on that note, thank you very much. Let's go and do our penultimate show, shall we? Before I want tea first. You're making a cup oh, of tea. We go. We'll have a cup of tea and a bowl of You're cereal. Of <laughs> That's where we've got to. 
So that was the lovely Mike. I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode. We, as I've said earlier on, we've had an absolute hoot here, but it is now time to get to our penultimate show and our final show tomorrow and get back to a bit of normality. So um, as always, if you want to send me any messages, send it to Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N, at upgradeyourday.co.uk. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Upgrade Your Day. I think Facebook is Upgrade Your Day page and um, and the website UpgradeYourDay.co.uk. You can message me through there as well. See what's going on. I've got bits and bobs here, there and everywhere. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to leave a star rating or a little review, please do. It's completely up to you, but I'd really appreciate it if you've enjoyed listening to these. Thank you so much and um, have a great day, everyone. Thank you.